It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. In this episode of Locked On Capitals, the Washington Capitals lose in the first round again. Haven't we seen this before? Let's talk about that next on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Locked On Capitals, your daily podcast on the Washington Capitals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello and welcome into this edition of Locked On Capitals. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. As always, this podcast is free and available on all platforms. And I want to thank you for making this your first listen or view of the day. My name is Dan Holmey. You can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at LockedOnCaps. So in this edition, we are joined by Michael Marzacco from Stars and Sticks. How are you doing today? Good, Dan. How are you? Thanks for having me on the show. You bet. So just getting into this show here, the Washington Capitals make a first round exit. We'll talk about that in the show. Then later, we're going to talk about the goalie situation. This seems like a situation that should have taken care of itself, but it made itself apparent in the playoffs that they were ill-prepared. And then in the final segment, we will talk about the injuries that are facing the Caps. But let's just start off here by talking about the series Uh, Washington Capitals versus the President's Trophy winning Florida Panthers. What were your thoughts on the game? It was a frustrating series to watch, to be sure, uh, in game six there. I was really hoping that they were going to pull out a win, but it just turns out that I think that that Florida Panthers team had a bigger fight. What were your thoughts on it? Well, Nicholas Backstrom said after the game and after the series that, um, and I quote him, we basically gave the series to them, and he couldn't be more right about that. The Caps had three opportunities to take a commanding three to one lead, possibly close out in game five, you know, a missed empty netter, a three goal lead, a ping off the post, a turnover by Carlson, and all of a sudden they're home golfing instead of um, talking round two. But if you're looking for anything good out of this, um, the Penguins just lost in overtime. (laughs) So. 
Well, that's always good news uh, when the Penguins lose. You know, it's always just, it's a good thing. You know, I, I, it doesn't matter if the Capitals are playing or not. It's just always great to hear the Penguins are losing. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So just taking a look at it, the thing that I talked about this entire series was the lack of physicality out there. Uh, it seems that the Washington Capitals had a little bit more push in the last two games that they played, but ultimately it just seems like that Florida Panthers team had more push. They had more hunger to, to win these games. Uh, how do you see the Florida Panthers playing out uh, in the next series here? And you know what did the Washington Capitals have to do? It just seems like they were outplayed. I know statistically, in a lot of ways, the Capitals played better, but it just seems like that goal scoring and uh, their defense was just too much for this Capitals team. Yeah, for sure. And it wasn't just that the Caps were better statistically, but um, less visibly on the eye test. But they were also just, there were some players that you just couldn't see out there that were you know, invisible. And then there were the costly turnovers. And the Panthers also got the bounces. I thought this Caps team was as close as we've seen as the 2018 team. But the difference between that team and the 2018 team, I think, bottom line, was the 2018 team also had the bounces. And this team had bounces, but go the other way. Yeah, and just taking a look at it, you know, I'm looking at the record here. The Capitals have not made it past the first round since 2018. You know, it just seems like, I hate to say it, but in a lot of ways they got kind of lucky in 2018 winning the Stanley Cup. There are some major changes that are going to need to take place on this team in the offseason. Uh, Brian McClellan talked about it as much. So just netminding. We'll start off with netminding here a little bit. What were your thoughts on Ilya Samsonov and Vitek Vanacek? It seemed like kind of a coin flip every game as to who was going to start. And this kind of flies in the face of everything that Peter Laviolette talked about. He said that when I make it to the playoffs, I want to know who my number one netminder is. What were your thoughts on the goaltending situation just in this series alone? Later in the show, we'll talk about how they should take care of uh, the goaltending situation by next year. But just in this series alone, talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on the netminding situation. I'll tell you, watching and covering both goalies, it was exhausting trying to figure out which one was going to be the guy heading into game one. <coughs> My bad. Um, uh. So Vanacek outplayed Samsonov towards the end of the regular season. And then when the playoffs hit, game two sort of happened, and it was like, all right, well, Samsonov came in relief and stopped 17 shots. So it was basically his net the rest of the series because he played phenomenal in game three, and the crowd was chanting his name. And in game four, he at least kept the caps in it, and then um, there was an empty netter that will haunt both of our dreams for the foreseeable future, probably throughout the whole summer. Yeah, there was a lot of people that thought they should have gone back to Vitek Vanacek in Game 6. And, you know, to be honest, I don't think that we can put a lot of this on Ilya Samsonov. I think that he kept the Capitals in the series um, almost every game. I think there was a couple soft goals in there. But, I mean, it, the playoffs, that was not the time to try to fix the net mining situation. They had the entire season to do that. Um, do you think, just looking at this game and just looking at the goalies that were out there, do you think that the Washington Capitals would have been wise to put Vitek Vanacek in in Game 6 
a must-win game that the Capitals ended up losing? I wouldn't necessarily think that Vitek Vanacek in that would have changed the result of that game. I still think, um, in the end, the Panthers just had that killer instinct. Um, thankfully, the Caps at least kept the season going by extending it into overtime. So who knows what could have happened had that turnover in overtime didn't happen. But you never know. But Sam Sonov, that loss was not on him. Neither was Game 5. Game 5, they just played relaxed after they were up 3 nothing, And you can't do that against a team like the Panthers. I mean, I've seen the Panthers come back from like five goals down. Right. Yeah, and they have just a ton of goal-scoring power on that team. So, you know, just getting into it, I knew that it was going to be a tough battle because, the, I mean, the Washington Capitals, just even removing netminding from the, the equation, they kind of have struggled throughout the season. Um, and we'll talk about that later in the show, about what uh, Brian McClellan's thoughts are on the future. But let's talk about the impact of Tom Wilson. I don't think that, you know, you can say enough things about Tom Wilson other than it's not just his physical game, even though that would have definitely helped. But he's a 20 plus goal scorer. What, what are your thoughts on Tom Wilson? Would Tom Wilson have been enough to change the outcome of this series? I know that one guy can't carry it alone on his shoulders, but I sure think that uh, he might have helped him at least in one or two of these games anyway. Well, Dan, you mentioned earlier in the show that the Caps lacked physicality, which I've wrote in like some of my series previews that the Caps had the edge in physicality. But that was also before Tom Wilson hurt himself in game one. When you lose a body like Tom Wilson, it really does hurt your lineup. And you see how injuries have impacted, you know, the team in the postseason. You talk about 2019 when Michael Kempney and TJ Oshie hurt themselves. And this year, you know, you heard Backstrom say that, you know, he was dealing with the hip injury all year. And who knows what the future holds for, you know, Backstrom. And then you hear Ovechkin. He played through his injury. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just a tough... I mean, I, like I say, I don't think that we could put all of this on Tom Wilson. I know that he has that physical presence. And, you know, I think that's what they needed to kind of combat that physical game that the Florida Panthers were bringing. It just seems like, you know, uh, they were kind of sleeping through uh, the first couple games there. And then all of a sudden, Ovechkin led the charge and started uh, laying the smack down. Then you saw hits by Garnet Hathaway, even John Carlson, who isn't typically a tough guy out there. So I just think that that's what the Capitals should have done. I know this is a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking, but there are a lot of changes that are going to need to be made. And we're going to talk about those changes that need to be made. But first, our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next year's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. What's up, guys? Trey Matthews of Locked On Devils here. And let me tell you about Discover Debit Cash Back. Wings for the game? Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey? Boom, cash back. Even a last minute ice run could score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. 
With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's a guaranteed win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Thank you for making Locked On Capitals your first listen. For your next listen, check out Locked On Now podcasts, nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So in t- today in the presser, they were talking about what is ahead. And Brian McClellan talked about, you know, the net mining situation and just the different uh, problems that the Washington Capitals face throughout the season. McClellan on the summer ahead, we've lost in the first round the last four years. We're going to explore things. I don't think anything is off the table. Mentioned scouring the trade market and spending in free agency where he expects to have some cap flexibility. So where do you see the cap starting um, next? What is the move that they're going to be next? Because the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Doesn't it seem insane to put this same group of players out there and expect a better result? Well, last year we talked, or uh, you and I probably didn't talk about this, but I'm sure we talked about this in other areas about, you know, Kuznetsov getting moved. So that's not going to happen this summer. It won't be Kuznetsov. But I can see the team moving Lars Eller to make more room and possibly more playing time for Connor McMichael. That would be the first move I would at least make if I was GMVM. Yeah, and then just taking a look at it, I have uh, some of the free agents that pop up here. And one of the names that's popped up quite a bit is the defense, because every time I bring up net mining, they say, Dan, it wasn't the it wasn't the net mining, it was the defense. And always in those situations, I say, well, who are you going to pull out of that lineup? I know that John Carlson had his issues and even Martin Faravari to a certain extent, but just taking a look at uh, Justin Schultz. He is one of the free agents. Michael Kempney, uh, Ilya Samsonov, Phoenix Copley, Vitek Vanacek. So I think that, you know, as far as the defense is concerned, I think that uh, Justin Schultz uh, probably played his last game with the Washington Capitals. What changes do you see them making in defense? Because it just seems like he was kind of the weak guy out there. Because if you take a look down the lineup, you had John Carlson, Dimitri Orloff, Jensen, Martin Faravari, um, who who else would come out of that lineup? Because I think other than um, uh, Schultz, I think that the defense was pretty sound overall. I'm not sure what's going to happen with the defense, but I do think you're right about Justin Schultz playing his last game with the Capitals. Uh, one of my writers wrote that Schultz would have been taken in the expansion draft. Obviously, that didn't happen. And Schultz does have a big cap hit, so I don't see them re-signing him. And Kempney also had his struggles, so I don't really see Kempney coming back either. And um, Carlson, he can't be making those mistakes if his cap hit is that high. That's the hard part about that. You saw Orlov doing the same thing, but Orlov has been better. No complaints about him. Nick Jensen, now that we look at it, he's been underpaid. But um, Carlson... He can't be doing that. He can't be turning the puck over. And I've seen the mentions 
of people saying trade Carlson. I wouldn't be surprised if that even happens to create more cap room and flexibility. Yeah, because I mean, in in certain ways, I think that this Capitals team is going to look a lot different uh, next season. And I talked about that as much. If the Washington Capitals make a first round exit, like I talked about, they haven't made it past the first round since 2018. You know, we hear all the time about this window that's open for this Washington Capitals team, you know, as far as Alex Ovechkin, Nick Backstrom, John Carlson, TJ Oshie, et cetera, and that that window's closing in its win-now mode. Was Brian McClellan really in win-now mode when he just made Ilya Samsonov and Vitek Vanacek the starting tandem, the youngest tandem in the beginning of the season at anyway, an unproven commodity? It seems to me if it was win-now don't you think that he would have tried to rectify that situation by picking up a veteran netminder out there? You know, I talked with uh, JJ Regan about it and he said, just pick up pretty much any veteran netminder out there and hope he catch fires. You know, if you take a look at Craig Anderson, I know that uh, he had those many great years for the senators and he actually played somewhat decent with the Washington capitals. It just seems like the capitals had nowhere to turn. I don't think that they wanted to make that dive into HL Hershey. I know that Fukali and uh, Shepard were options out there, but you know, the playoffs are now not any time to start experimenting with your net minding. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? What should they have done? It's just, you know, like I say that win now mode right now. And it didn't really seem like they were all bought in on that, what they're trying to sell to us that it is win now. Yeah. I thought that Brian McClellan kind of put all his eggs into one basket around the trade deadline when they swung and missed on Marc-Andre Fleury. After Fleury didn't want to come to D.C., they kind of gave up on the goalie situation and decided to get all nostalgic and bring back Marcus Johansson, which, um, great bringing him back for a potential at getting him a cup, but I didn't see why that was necessary. Uh, I think there's definitely going to be a veteran netminder this summer, and there will have to be a decision but looking at things right now, I would say the team would move forward with Samsonov and let Vanacek walk, you know, with both of them being free agents. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see, and we'll talk about that in the final segment on which netminder they pick up. But it's just, you know, like I say, it was the, when they keep, you know, they, they sell these cliches and these T-shirts that say, you know, win now, the window's open now, you know, cliche, cliche. It doesn't really mean anything if you if you can't back it up. And, you know, to a certain extent, I think that the onus on this, the the failures to the of the Washington Capitals this season fall on Brian McClellan's shoulders. He's the, you know, the buck stops with him. He should have done something in the net minding situation, I think. But, uh, you know, like I say, when you're talking win now and you don't do really anything to, to rectify it, I think it just kind of falls on deaf ears. All right. So now we're going to kind of switch topics a little bit here. And we're going to talk about what we learned today about the injuries that were facing the Washington Capitals. We heard that Nick Backstrom uh, has that hip issue and that, you know, he might have to have surgery on it or maybe just rehabilitation. We heard that Tom Wilson, of course, he said that there was really no chance of him ever coming back in this series um, and that that surgery uh, might be on the table for him as well. Um, but Brian McClellan said that there's a good chance he should be back for the beginning of next season. You just take a look at the injuries that were facing the team, not not to mention Hagelin also who had that kind of fluke accident where he got hit in the eye with a stick. I just think that the buildup too of all those injuries that the Washington Capitals are facing, you take a look at Nick Backstrom not playing 100%, Tom Wilson not playing at all, and Hagelin out of the lineup. How big of an impact do you think those injuries were 
uh, on this Washington Capitals team. Haglin got a lot of criticism, but that was an unfortunate injury to Haglin. And um, you can't really say that the penalty kill would have been better because maybe the penalty kill would have been the same with Haglin in the lineup because the penalty kill was the one perfect thing going for the Caps that entire series. Tom Wilson, we touched on that earlier in the show about his impact being out of the lineup. And then you hear Backstrom. And like I said, I saw like some concerned Caps fans on Twitter saying that they were worried that Backstrom is going to retire because hip injuries when you're 35, 36, those are gruesome. gruesome. Yeah, and it and it looked like, you know, all these uh, longtime Caps players look pretty dejected. It almost looks at, at one point like Alex Ovechkin was in tears when he was asked about if he thinks that this team can make another push for it. Um, I just think, you know, much like the Washington Nationals, this Washington Capitals team is facing a rebuild. Uh, you know, if you look at the Nationals, they're pretty much unrecognizable, save for Juan Soto and a couple other players. I think that, you know, looking at this Capitals team, it's it might look a whole lot different next season. Um, like we had talked about early, John Carlson and uh, players like that. Do you see any other big moves happening this? I mean, it, this in this offseason, what are the biggest moves that you see the Washington Capitals making other than net mining? Oh, other than net mining, because I was about to be like net mining first. Um, a big move I would see would be coming on the defense. I think the players that they don't move are Orlov, Jensen, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, and Faravari. But Carlson... He could be gone. Uh, we touched on the bottom six, Lars Eller, to create room for McMichael. There's also um, Johan Larson and Marcus Johansson. They're both going to be free agents. And I don't see either of them coming back unless Mojo decides to sign for cheap or something. Yeah, and that was kind of interesting at the trade deadline that they picked up Marcus Johansson and Johan Larson, kind of really lackluster. I think that all the Washington Capitals fans out there, they were really hoping for that big netminder name. I know we had talked about Marc-Andre Fleury, but I just think based on his history with the Penguins and the Golden Knights, I just think that he really had no interest uh, in coming to this Capitals team. And it's a bit unfortunate because I think that, uh, you know, I think he could have fit well in on this team. And maybe, you know, he has a different thought on it based on the fact that, you know, he didn't get much playing time with Minnesota, especially uh, in their deciding game when it was Cam Talbot in net. He has to be thinking to himself, why did you even pick me up, you know, to a certain extent? So it's it's it remains to be seen what the Washington Capitals will do. We will talk about the net minding situation after the break. Imagine dipping your finger into that plastic tub of birthday cake frosting and then opening your eyes and realizing that it was only 150 calories and 16 grams of protein. That is what it's like to eat a birthday cake puff from Built. I just received my birthday cake puffs and I have never had anything like this before. They're available right now and we can't promise that they will be there tomorrow. So get them today at Built.com. And if you haven't tried the puffs, I'll let you in on a little secret because that's what friends do. A chocolate-covered marshmallow protein bar. Yeah, you heard me. Delicious flavored marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. Make every day your birthday with Bilt's Birthday Cake Puffs. Bilt has taken the delicious experience of biting into a fresh slice of birthday cake and embroidered it in 100% white chocolate and added sprinkles. 
And they have made changes. They're a collagen-based protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of healthy benefits. Go to Built.com to get birthday cake puffs now. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, before we get going on this final segment, we are joined by Michael Marzacco. I'm saying your last name, Anya. That's the correct way? That's the correct way, yep. So tell me a little bit about your website, uh, Stars and Sticks, and uh, just about your work. So I went to college at Radford University, and I got a degree in journalism. And when I moved back up here, I was blogging about the Caps for various websites. I was with uh, Nova Caps for a couple of years, including during the Cup run. And uh, when I was with another site, uh, Friends in Cold Places, I was approached by Fansided for the opportunity to be a site expert at Stars and Sticks. And at the time, uh, I don't think anybody was writing on the site. So I kind of had to revamp it. So they brought me along and I feel honored that they even interested me because I've been a Caps fan uh, my whole life since like the fifth grade. It was right before like Ovechkin got drafted when they were kind of at the bottom of the league. So it's cool seeing them go from like the bottom to the top and having like a elite goal scorer and an Ovechkin and getting to write about him night after night as he chases Gretzky. And I feel like honored that they entrusted me to provide that coverage from like the fan perspective. And I mean, we're called fan sided for a reason because, you know, we we're fans covering our teams that we love and it's all, you know, a lot of fun. Yeah, and it was interesting to hear, being that you brought up Ovechkin, just when he got drafted, all the different landing spots I heard when I was watching this series, they were talking about that he could have actually been a Florida Panther. They were trying to, you know, kind of fudge some things based on his birth dates and something. And just how much different, you know, if you think about it, would this Washington Capitals team be if Alex Ovechkin was never here? It kind of boggles my mind. All right, but in this uh, next, you know, to follow up on this segment here, let's talk about net mining. We alluded to it a little bit as far as what's going on this season. So what do they have in-house? They have Hunter Shepard, Zach Fukali, Vitek Vanacek, and Ilya Samsonov. Uh, those are the prominent goalies. Obviously, that the, they're an unproven commodity in net. We, we found that out this year. I did a previous podcast last summer, and I talked about the net mining situation uh, because it seems like Henrik Lundqvist uh, was the answer for the Washington Capitals. It was Henrik Lundqvist and Ilya Samsonov. And then this fluke of all fluke things, Henrik Lundqvist had a heart condition and had to retire, never played one game with the Capitals. I think he attended a couple practices. So the Washington Capitals were put in an odd position where it was Ilya Samsonov and Vitek Vanacek. Vitek Vanacek, who was kind of an unproven commodity, who most people say was an AHL goalie at best. 
And that's what they went with. They're just like, well, I guess that's going to work. Um, and, it, you know, in the beginning of the season, Brian McClellan even said as much as he didn't really have too high hopes for this team. And I'm thinking to myself, you're the GM of this team. Why didn't you do something to fix this net mining situation? I think he was just kind of crossing his fingers and toes and hoping that Ilya Samsonov and Vitek Vanacek were going to work out. What were your thoughts on him going all in on Vitek Vanacek and Ilya Samsonov? And in his presser today, he did say that he's going to pursue all leads that he possibly can, but he's not opposed with going with Ilya Samsonov and Vitek Vanacek in the fall. Oh, wow. He's not opposed to doing that, even though he wants to pursue a veteran netminder. Right. And I mean, I think that a lot of that is just him saying that, you know, and kind of keeping the, the cards close to his vest and everything. But you know, just part of me is like even uttering those words that, you know, we talked about all season and it was proven that the net mining uh, situation was insufficient the entire season. Um, it just kind of boggles my mind that he would be willing to go in on on having that tandem again next year. Now, the flip side of that coin is, and it's a valid point, is that those two net miners primarily got them 100 points. Now, if they were a, t- a total joke out there, they wouldn't have gotten 100 points. So I understand that argument. It's a valid argument. But I just can't picture the Capitals going into starting next season with Vitek Vanacek and Ilya Samsonov in net. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I can't picture that either. I think they're definitely going to go for a veteran netminder. And because uh, both are free agents, they're going to have to make a decision on which one to go with moving forward. And it'll probably be Samsonov because the team was very high on him when they drafted him back in 2015. And up until that ATV accident in 2020, he was playing really phenomenal. And the future belonged to him, basically, until that ATV accident happened. Yeah, I mean, and that was kind of that fluke accident. But, you know, there was kind of some young and reckless behavior with uh, Ilya Samsonov. If you remember, he had that party where they all got together. And it was Alex Ovechkin and Kuznetsov and Orloff, and they all got together in a hotel room uh, during COVID. And guess what? Surprise, surprise. Uh, Kuznetsov came down with COVID in particular. So, I mean, there was some maturity issues with Ilya Samsonov too that seems to have kind of worked out. And uh, for whatever reason, it seems like the Washington Capitals are all in on Ilya Samsonov. Many say that he's the better athlete between him and Vitek Vanacek, but it just seems like he can make the greatest save one second and then allow the a soft goal the next minute it just seems like he is an unproven commodity and uh, i do think that they do need to pick up a netminder i know that's not saying anything novel we've talked about it the entire season but now who do they pick up and there's an intriguing name that emerges out there it's a familiar one braden holpe uh yes braden holpe from 2018 that helped the washington capitals win the stanley cup I know it was that tandem of Grubauer and Holpe, but Holpe is the one that most people remember, the quote-unquote save and all of that. What do you think about Braden Holpe? I know that there's a lot of nostalgic Capitals fans out there that would love Braden Holpe, Holtz, to come back to the district and play. What, what, is that a crazy idea to you? It is, it's a bit of a crazy idea to me to have Holpe come back. It kind of reminds me of someone going back to an, an old girlfriend and thinking it, it's going to be different. What are your thoughts on Brady and Holpe coming back to the district? I am one of those Caps fans that is all in on that. And you can look at one of my articles before the deadline to prove that point when I wrote they should go after Brady and Holpe. Because I wasn't comfortable with the whole Marc-Andre Fleury situation. 
because I was getting the vibe that he did not want to come to DC. I think it would be nostalgic and not not too crazy with Holtby coming back. I mean, he's got a house in DC. He obviously wants to raise his family around here. He's been spotted at Nats games in the summer, so he he loves it here. Yeah, and I mean, I, I kind of took a look at the different free agents, and I know that they can make trades and all that kind of thing, but taking a look at some of them, it's Brain Holpe and Yaroslav Halak and uh, different players like that. There's no one on the list of free agents that really jumped out at me and made me think that is who's going to make this team that much better. So, you know, to a certain extent, I think that maybe that's what Brian McClellan was dealing with. And, you know, talking about Marc-Andre Fleury, I was worried about what the Washington Capitals would have had to give up if they did, in fact, get him. Because it seems like the Capitals have a, that's their MO, is they kind of kick the can down the road by giving up futures in the form of draft picks. Uh, and, you know, who, you know, it, ultimately, if they were going to get someone like Marc-Andre Fleury, they're going to say McMichael or Hendricks Lapierre, someone like that. And for a guy that's going to be on the Capitals, maybe as a rental, if they would have got him at the deadline or maybe a, an additional year, it just seems like too great of a cost uh, for the Washington Capitals to pay. So that is the question out there. Who do you think in the free agent market? Is there anyone that jumps out at you or is there someone that you think that the Capitals could trade for to really shore up that net mining position? I think one of the names you mentioned, Halak. I think they tried that once and that quite right. didn't work out. That was kind of that rental deal too, or, you know, it was towards the end of the season. He only played a, 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 not too many games if I remember right. And uh, yeah, I mean, that would be another thing, bringing him back to the team uh, when it was just kind of mixed results. My little bit of apprehension on Braden Holpe, I guess, is that are we getting the Braden Holpe from 2018 or are we getting Braden Holpe, the guy that played on the Vancouver Canucks that kind of, you know, had a so-so season? It seems like the secret sauce for Braden Holpe was working with Mitch Korn, the goalie whisperer. He really kind of dialed in Braden Holpe and focused him. So I that's that's the biggest question. If we get Holpe back, you know, if we go, go all in on him as the answer, is he going to be the answer? You know, because let's face it, he's on the wrong side of 30 now, too, as all these uh, nucleus of players are getting that much older. Do you think that, you know, Braden Holpe would, would be the the right answer? I, like I say, he's we're all nostalgic here for Braden Holpe to come back to the team. I think Holpe would be the right answer because he knows the team all too well. He's always going to have like a statue here for the save. And, you know, I felt, I told my dad this during the series, that if Holtby was in net, like, the Caps would have locked down game six and won today. And we would be talking about a second round instead of, you know, a weird summer ahead. Yeah, and that was the crazy thing. If you can, you know, kind of take a look back and reminisce on the 2018 season, if you remember, they had to rely on Philip Grubauer and Braden Holpe. If you remember, Braden Holpe started to falter towards the end of the season, and then Grubauer came in and kind of righted the ship. And in a lot of ways, that was the perfect scenario and kind of a Cinderella story because because by the time Grubauer started to falter, Braden Holpe was well-rested and kind of came in and locked it down for the Washington Capitals. That is what the Washington Capitals were missing this season is because, you know, you know, Sam Sonoff had a bad game. Are you going to go to Vanacek? Is, was that really a better scenario? I, I think that that was ultimately the biggest problem with this Capitals team is it was net minding. Like I say, it's nothing novel that I'm saying there in net, but I think that that is one of the things that the Washington Capitals will uh, have to shore up in the offseason. All right, so just to follow up the, sh the show here and finish it up here, 
just give me your thoughts on the Capitals. The biggest move, knee-jerk reaction, other than net mining, that they're going to have to do in order to turn this into a winning team. Again, we say it again and again and again that this is a win-now mode and the window's closing. How are they going to get that? I mean, okay, we get that netminder. What else, What other players do you think are going to get moved out? What, what other things need to get addressed? All right, here's a knee-jerk reaction that is going to have a lot of Capitals fans come after me. Uh, John Carlson. <laughs> That's going to be the one that um, helps them, you know, put money in the bank and go after, like, one of those young forwards to help the team get younger. So we're not only going to see a netminder, we're going to see a young forward, and then we got to figure out the defensive situation because there's going to be some auditions with Justin Schultz gone and possibly Michael Kempney too. Yeah, and it seems like they do have some depth in Hershey, and I know a lot of these guys were plugged and played throughout the season, um, you know, just based on early uh, uh, COVID issues in the season, so that kind of thing. So just to wrap up my thoughts on it are that too, is that they do need to make some changes, and uh, you know, one of the promises that was made to Alex Ovechkin was that he would be playing on a winning team or a team that, you know, stood a good chance of winning. So I don't know if we're going to see a tear down to the studs with this team, but I do think that it's going to be a different team. But I think that it is necessary uh, for this team if they want to have any chance uh, at playing any better next season. All right, Michael, thank you for joining me um, on this episode of Locked On Capitals. Um, And I'll talk to you again next time. Michael, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for having me on, Dan. All right, we'll talk to you next time. Yep. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.